Isn't God good? Let's give God a hand. Oh, Lord Jesus. We're so thankful for you this morning, God. We're so thankful for the work you've done. And sometimes we act like we're surprised when you are faithful. But God, we learn in those moments, God, we're just reminded not only that you're good, not only that you're faithful, but that you care about us. You love us. You're mindful of us. You're not far away. You're right here. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for bringing my family and I into this family. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, Four Points Church. Y'all sound excited. What a powerful time of worship. Every time I hear our worship team, and you know, I'm not trying to throw praise their way because I know they're going to deflect it where it should go right to Jesus, but I'm so thankful for how gifted they are, how anointed they are, right? I just sense the presence of God in it. I can't tell you how excited my family and I are to be here this morning. And listen, I know, you know, I'm the new guy here. Anybody ever been new somewhere? So awkward. <laughs> I have two sons in middle school, you know, and they, they can tell you it's probably terrifying to be the new kid somewhere. Well, I'm the new kid, but is it weird for me to just say that I may be the new guy this morning, but I really feel like I just got home. I may be the new guy, but I feel like I've come home. And I just want to thank you, Four Points, for being who you are. From that very first conversation with your board, guys, I could just tell that God was moving seven, eight years of powerful ministry. I remember I asked, I asked those guys, I said, what are the top three things you're looking for in a pastor? And they shared with me those three things. In that moment, I wasn't like, yeah, yeah, I think that too, you know, because I wasn't trying to sell myself, you know, you don't do that in an interview. But in my heart, I was like, man, I wouldn't make a different list. Like if I was looking for someone to be a shepherd in my life, those are the things I would want. I would want transparency. I would, I would want honesty. I would want community value. Listen, you are a church of community. You've gone through three months and not having a pastor here. God called Mark to be faithful in Tennessee, and he's there being faithful. But you've been here. You've been serving. You haven't gone anywhere. Thank you. Guys, if church isn't community, what's it good for? If church isn't a family, what's it good for? Because Jesus lived community. Jesus lived love. That's why we do it. Right? Thank you for being you, and thank you for reaching out and being so welcoming uh, to my beautiful wife, Corey, and our kids. We counted a great privilege to be your pastor, and our very first goal is just to get to know you as much as we can. I want to know who you are. I want to know where you work. I want to know what you're facing. I want to know what encourages you. I want to know what your life is about so that we can be a family together. That sound good? So I'll try to be uh, not awkward around you tonight at 5.30 uh, when we are having some kind of shindig, right, Austin? There's some kind of shindig happening at 5 o'clock. So today's message, guys, the Lord put on my heart, and I've been really working on it. It's titled, Who We Are. Who we are, you, me, 
what God is doing in our midst. Who are we? If you would turn in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And guys, what I'm about to do is read to you from one of the stories in Scripture, a true story. But do you know why God didn't give us the Bible and the Bible is just a set of rules? God gave us stories in the Bible. Why did he give us stories? So that we could relate. Guys, God, God wants you to read stories like the one we're about to read. And he wants you to use the imagination he gave you to put yourself in that story. So as we read it, I want you to think about, I want you maybe to think about Zacchaeus. This is who we're going to talk about. Think about Zacchaeus. Think about if it was you. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. That's a weirder name than Vanderplug. I'm comforted this morning. <laughs> He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Let me pause for a moment to explain what's going on here, okay? At this time, the first century church um, in, in, in Israel and in, in Jesus' life on earth before he ascended to the Father and was crucified for us, the Roman Empire ruled. The Roman Empire was, was, was in full force and Israel was under Roman occupation, Okay, if you were in Israel during this time, you'd see Roman soldiers just walking around everywhere, swords on, ready for action. They were there to keep the peace in an occupied territory. And if you don't know this from reading in the Bible, God's people are a little bit rebellious people, <laughs> kind of like we are. And so they would have these uprisings and things would happen and the Roman government became very careful of Israel because it was considered a volatile area. You know, a lot of people don't know this, you know, but Pilate, Pilate, um, who made the decision on behalf of the Roman government to crucify Jesus, like he was on his last straw. He had been told by Caesar if he had one more uprising, he was done. Because they were happening all the time in Israel, which might shed some light on why Pilate made the decision that he made. Um, it was like either him or Jesus, <laughs> essentially. Um, but in Israel, they're occupied by the Romans. One of the things that the Romans did to try to keep the peace is the Romans didn't go around collecting taxes for Caesar. They recruited a Jewish person to do it for them, okay? They recruited a Jewish person to go to their neighbors and to collect taxes on behalf of the Roman government. And do you know how they were paid? The way that they were paid was when Zacchaeus went and collected taxes, he could add however much he thought he could get away with, and he got to keep the difference. Okay, this was, this was the incentive for a tax collector. And he was not just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector, like he had gotten a promotion, okay? He was so good at what he did, and he was wealthy from it. Verse three, he wanted to see who Jesus was but because he was short, how would you like to be known for that for, forever um, in the Bible? Um, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, that's Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. Sometimes we get this picture of Jesus kind of like walking through Israel and there's like 12, 15 people just hanging out with him. That is not how it was. Okay, Jesus could not leave home without everyone wanting to see him. 
Jesus was followed everywhere. He couldn't get a quiet moment. We have other stories in the New Testament of Jesus, like literally getting in a boat and going across the Sea of Galilee to get some me time, and he didn't get it. Okay, people fought, like people ran around the Sea of Galilee and met him on the other side. He was famous for obvious reasons. Like people were being healed. Jesus was talking about God's grace and people were like, what is that? I've never heard of grace forgiveness. Like, what is that? And so Zacchaeus had heard, I don't know if he thought Jesus was like David Copperfield or what, but like he had heard about Jesus and he wanted to go and see what was going on. Verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he, Zacchaeus, came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So imagine this, you're Zacchaeus, right? We're imagining ourselves being Zacchaeus. You're a wee little man and you've climbed up in this tree. You're in the back row. Like you wanna see Jesus, but you're not up front, okay? Because uh, even a, you know, a short man can come stand in front of everybody else, you know? But that's not what he did. He was up in a tree watching from a distance, I, oh, expecting Jesus to do something amazing, I'm sure. And Jesus stops at that spot. He knows Zacchaeus' name. <laughs> he says, Zacchaeus, why don't you come down from that tree? I'm going to come stay at your house today. Now, this was a great honor, a huge honor. And even as somebody who didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah, just imagine if, you know, David Copperfield was doing a show and he said, you know, he said, hey, Austin, can I come to your house for lunch? Right? You'd be like, sure, man. You know, like, <laughs> sure, sure you can, you know? And you would be honored because everybody would be like, wow, who's that guy that he went to go have lunch with him? So naturally, Zacchaeus is like, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, you know, come, come over to my house. Verse seven, all the people saw this and began to mutter. Have you ever heard somebody mutter before? <laughs> my kids do it when they get sent to their room. <laughs> Sometimes I do it after I send them to their room. <laughs> or when my wife calls me out on something, you know. Furta, 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 furta. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so all the people began to mutter. Here's what they said. He, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Sinner. Emphasis on the S. Sinner. I mean, talk about judgy. I wonder what Jesus was thinking. You know, because just in the same way that Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name, when Zacchaeus was like hiding in a tree, <laughs> watching, and Jesus knew his name, he knew what everyone was thinking. Every person. And, and these were the people following Jesus. But they weren't acting like him. Jesus invited Zacchaeus down and they didn't even take the clue. They began to mutter. Him? Really? Why him? Should have been me. <laughs> Isn't this how people are? Like Zacchaeus was surrounded by haters. So are you, right? That's why every time someone gets a promotion at work, there's drama because everybody thinks it should have been them, right? 
Our human nature doesn't want to see other people succeed, not without us. I wonder what Jesus was thinking. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, and yes, he had, I will pay back four times the amount. What in the world happened? I mean, here's this guy. <laughs> he just showed up to see this miracle worker passing by. And all of a sudden, he's willing to give away everything he owns? What happened? What changed? You know, I wonder if, I wonder if Zacchaeus in his heart was just longing for someone to value him. We know what, why it happened. Verse nine, Jesus said to him, I mean, I just picture, it says Jesus, it didn't say Jesus said to them, it says Jesus said to him. I just imagine Jesus putting his hand on Zacchaeus' shoulder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he says, today salvation has come to this house. And then he starts talking to everyone else. He says, because this man is also a son of Abraham. It's like, listen, you knuckleheads. <laughs> God loves Zacchaeus. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. So there's a few things I want to look at in Zacchaeus' life that I feel like we can apply to our lives. I want to take a little time to look at Zacchaeus' past while maybe we look a little bit at our past. I want us to look at Zacchaeus' current situation, this whole thing of Jesus calling him down from the tree and the effect that had on his life and maybe look at that when we look at our current situation and I want us to look at Zacchaeus' future as Jesus talks about and maybe that will inform us a little bit about ours too. But there are three big ideas that I would like to talk to you about. If you have notes and a pen, I just encourage you uh, to take notes if you want to. Big idea number one, we were Zacchaeus. We were Zacchaeus. Here's something I know to be absolutely true. Everyone in this room has either come to know Jesus and was lost or doesn't know Jesus yet and you are lost. You are one of these two. There are no others this morning. Some of us, depending upon how young we were when we gave our lives to Christ, might remember what it was like to be lost. Do you remember what it was like before you gave your life to Christ? Some of us would find Zacchaeus' story to be pretty relatable, right? I mean, Zacchaeus, he's just a self-made guy. He did what he needed to do to get ahead. Right? I mean, somebody's got to do it. Here's something I've learned in 20 years of ministry. Most people aren't villains. They don't just sit around in their house and <laughs> like think of evil things to do. 
Most people, even if they're wrong, have reasons for doing the things they do. You know, if we're going to reach them, sometimes we have to pause to think about it. Why? And we'll get more into that. But here's just this self-made guy. Certainly he had, to, he had reasons for the decisions he made. You know, maybe he thought, you know, somebody's got to do it. And look, this is hard work. Everyone hates me. I deserve a little bit of a bonus every now and then. Do you see? Other than his height, he had everything going for him. It's funny to joke about it, but who knows how tall he actually could have been in my size. Um, <laughs> but the problem was at the end of it all, Zacchaeus was empty. Do you remember that emptiness? Here's what life was like for me before I gave my life to Jesus. Maybe you can relate to it. I kept busy doing all kinds of stuff just doing all kinds of stuff. And then occasionally, rarely, there'd be these moments where nothing was going on. There wasn't anything to distract me. And I'd have these feelings of hopelessness and doubt. And what does it all mean? You know, when all the action slowed down, I'd have to actually look in the mirror at myself. Emptiness. Do you remember what it was like to be lost? Can you relate? The other day I was at um, QT. I call it the QT Blancre because the food there is good. Um, I, I'll, <laughs> I don't anymore. I, I got saved and gave that up. But um, I used to eat just about as much food as I did get gas at QT. Uh, the soft pretzels were pretty good. Um, the pizza's not bad, but if you can go to Pizza Inn, you're way better off, right? Where's Davin? Um, <laughs> if you're out of town, there's no Pizza Inn. QT might pass uh, the test. But I was there, I was pumping gas, and this guy walked up to me, and I could tell he was probably homeless. You know, when people in these situations come up to me, like I try to help when I can, and sometimes, you know, I don't. I try to follow the spirit, like in these situations, you know? Well, this guy in particular walked up to me. He's like, hey, man, I just need a couple dollars for lunch. But when he talked, like the alcohol on his breath made me drunk smelling it. Like it was so, so strong, right? And I thought to myself, brother, I know what you spent your lunch money on. <laughs> I know what you spent your lunch money on. And in that moment, I didn't feel compassion for him. Do you know who always, or almost always, <laughs> has compassion for people who are alcoholics? People who have been alcoholics. Do you know who tends to have more compassion for people who are homeless? Someone who's been homeless? Because they can relate, right? You know, it's, it's easy to say, hey, that guy spent his lunch money on alcohol. What's his problem? But what else do lost people do with pain? Right? Sometimes I miss it because I don't relate. But listen, God wants you to relate this morning to Zacchaeus because you were him. You were in his shoes. It's by the grace of God that, that things weren't worse than they were, right? And maybe you think, Phil, you don't know my life. It was pretty bad. I believe you. Could have been worse. You're still alive, right? Here's the second big idea. We are Zacchaeus. We are Zacchaeus. 
Verse seven, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Let me tell you a little bit about my childhood. <laughs> when I was a kid, guys, I was pretty wild. I was pretty crazy. I wasn't an unloving kid, but I just, I didn't think about my actions ahead of time. And when we would go to church, guys, I would raise hell. I mean, I was the kid that like the Sunday school teachers just didn't want there, okay? <laughs> it's like if the Vanderplugs took a Sunday off, it's like, whew, you know, like, thank God. Um, and we were at this church picnic um, with, a, with a church and uh, I was throwing rocks at geese. I hit a few of them. And uh, when I was bored with that, I came back and I was kind of looking for my parents and they were at this pavilion and there was this room off the pavilion and uh, I, found, I saw my dad in there through the door and the pastor was in there. So I was like, oh, serious conversation. I probably shouldn't just barge in there. Um, so I stopped at the door and what I heard the pastor say was, he said this, he said, if, if your kids can't behave, you can't come back. Now, I was in the fifth grade. I had no idea how deep those words sunk in. I mean, in the moment, I'm just like you, right? You let stuff roll off in the moment. Well, forget them. Who do, what do they know, right? Years later, I'm 17 years old. My parents invite me to visit this house church. I hadn't gone to church in forever. I mean, as soon as I could get a job and not go to church, I didn't go. All right, was not interested. So I visited this house church because I thought it was interesting. It was in the house, you know, rolled up in my Camaro. That used to be a really cool thing, you know, to like do like rev, rev, you know, revved it up outside, flicked my cigarette butt in the yard, went in. And I just kind of sat there and watched and listened to people. But people began to love on me. They were people like you guys. Just began to love on me. And after the second time of going, I was really conflicted inside. I got home from church and I went for a walk and I sat down on some bleachers at this elementary school. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I felt God just pulling on my heart, pulling on my heart. And listen, I hadn't thought about that situation in the fifth grade from the day it happened until this day. But it hit me so strong in that moment, guys. I looked up to heaven and I said, you didn't want me then. What do you want with me now? Like those words came out of my mouth. Guys, and right away, like, I just got touched by the love of God. I just began to weep. I'm not a weepy guy. Like, when people die, I don't cry. It really takes a Disney movie to get me going. <laughs> but I just wept. And I surrendered my life to Jesus. People muttering in my life. Like Zacchaeus, like you. Here's the thing, guys, if we live for the support and the approval of the people around us, we're always gonna be insecure and disappointed. People are complex creatures. Our motives are always mixed. Short time later, less than a year, I started to feel God calling me into ministry. Like, maybe I could do that. Like, maybe I could preach the gospel. I remember riding in the van, minivan, a Ford Windstar, they don't make those anymore, with our pastor. And I told him, I feel like God might be calling me to ministry. He looked at me and he said, Phil, I really think you ought to just keep working. 
Churches need volunteers too. And they do. They do. But he didn't see any potential in me. I felt the Lord speaking to me, right? And all of us have these stories. Like I, I could share a bunch of stories that bore you to death about how people have been a hater in my life or a mutterer in my life. And so could you. We could be here till next Thursday all sharing stories, right? We've been there. We know what that's like. There's always going to be people who don't think you're good enough. There's always going to be people who don't think you're thin enough. There's always going to be people who don't think you're qualified enough or popular enough or respected enough. Some would even say not gifted enough, but who are they? Gifted enough. They must not know God very well. Listen to these words that Paul spoke to a church plant a little bit younger than four points, probably about three or four years old. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not, that means the things that to the world don't matter, to nullify the things that are. God takes the things that to the world don't have value and don't matter and he puts them over the things that the world values so that no one may boast before him. So what is this passage saying to us, guys? Here's what it's saying. God doesn't measure potential the way that the world measures potential. God doesn't measure value the way that the world measures value. God doesn't, God doesn't measure the win the same way that we sometimes measure the win. God likes to upset our paradigms. He likes to do it in a way that we don't expect. He likes us to look foolish in our worldly expectations. If you're depending on worldly wisdom in your life right now, God will leave you standing as a fool because the world's wisdom is not how things really work in the end. God likes to upset our norms, but we like to be judges, don't we? We like to be the Simon Cowell in everyone else's life, right? We want other people to have a reality check. It was hard for me, it should be hard for them. Listen, you stink at being a judge. You know who's a great judge? God. Do you know why he is? Because he knows everything. <laughs> when he judges me, he knows my whole story. When you and I judge, we miss all the time. Who's ever watched The Voice? Anybody like that show? I watch it even though it seems like it lasts forever now. It's like three hours long. I'm like, all right, they're battling already. Come on, there's too many battles. Um, it'd be more interesting if it really was a battle, you know? Like singing and fighting, that would be great. 
little MMA acapella. Um, <laughs> but do you know what we really like when we watch The Voice or American Idol or Shark Tank, whatever it is we watch? Here's what we really like. We really like it when someone comes up on stage that everyone expects to look dumb and then they do awesome, <laughs> right? It's like the Susan Boyle situation. These are the millions of views on YouTube, viral. We love that. Do you know why we love that? Because it gives us hope because it's us. We're the ordinary person. We are. And we love to see ordinary people succeed. It gives us hope. Here's what God's looking for. He's looking for us to be willing to come down out of the tree when he calls our name. He's looking for us to believe that when he calls us, he also equips us and gives us what we need. I'm not the same man now that I was when I was 17 years old feeling a call to ministry, but God saw the end from the beginning. He sees your life too. Listen to Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through five. The word of the Lord came to me saying, this is God speaking to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. It doesn't matter what people think of you guys. When God looks at you, he sees someone who can do amazing things. When God sees you, he sees all potential. More potential than you could ever imagine. He's not focused on your past. He's focused on your future. Forget the past. It's not about who you've been. It's about what you're gonna let God do in and through you. And that's immeasurable, incalculable. There's no way to know except to surrender your life and buckle up and let God take you where he wants to take you. So maybe you feel like Zacchaeus this morning, like you felt the sting of rejection. Sometimes we need to just focus on Jesus' call and just ignore the haters because they will always be there. There will always be someone who doesn't believe in you. Always someone to complain when something good happens to you. But listen to the voice of Jesus. Third big idea. We know a Zacchaeus. <laughs> we were Zacchaeus. We are Zacchaeus. And we all know a Zacchaeus. Guys, we are a church on mission. Here's our mission. To reach the least, the lost, and the lonely of all nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to see lives changed. This is our mission. This is who we are. So here's my question. Who's the Zacchaeus in your life? 
Who's the one just watching from the outside? Who's the one waiting for you to call them? For you to love them? Zacchaeus just needed someone to see his value beyond what he had done wrong. It's like when Jesus showed him love, he was ready to let it all go. Who are the people at work? Who are the people in your family? Who are the people at school? Who are the people, guys, who need someone? Who is it that's being cast aside? Who is it everyone else is rejecting? Listen, students, God is not a fan of mean girls. <laughs> he hates that. Listen, boys, God's not a fan of bullies. He hates that. Right? We know students, right, who are at school and they, they sit by themselves. Right, you know, or they, they play games or do things that we think are dorky or they, you know, they've got shoes from Walmart instead of, you know, ultra boosts or, what did you say? Journeys. Journeys. That's a shameless plug. I'm with you though. If Davin can do it, you can do it. I'm just kidding. Right? <laughs> they don't have it all together. And sometimes it's tempting, even as a student, like, you know, you're, maybe you're not making fun of them, but you're not intervening either. You're just kind of... You know, and it's scary because if you stand up for that guy or girl, then you can get made fun of too. But listen, it doesn't matter. What matters is what God thinks. And when you stand up for the defenseless, when you befriend the friendless, when you love those who consider themselves to be loveless, you're living like Jesus. And it may cost you. You may have to be crucified. But Jesus did it for you. Right? Who are the people that you see but don't notice? Is it a cashier? Is it a server at a restaurant? Uber driver? Who is it that you see on the rag but you just, you've never even really talked to them? Do, do they deserve to hear about Jesus? What about people who are brokenhearted? What about the person who's been abandoned? What about the person who's been in foster care? What about the person who's been divorced? What about the girl who's had an abortion? What about the people who are brokenhearted? Listen, guys, I'm pro-life, but God loves everyone. We have to build a bridge of grace. There's no sin you can do that God didn't send his son to die for. Who's a little too weird? I got news for you. You're weird. <laughs> Who's too poor? Who's too wealthy? You know that rich people are just as broken as poor people? Need Jesus just as much. Who's too conservative? Who's too liberal? Well, I saw that Facebook post, so I'm never talking to them, right? <laughs> Who's let you down? Maybe somebody's hurt you. You've never thought about telling them about Jesus because they, 
they hurt you. Let me let you guys in on a truth. You probably already know. You know, sometimes when we go to people and we tell them about Jesus, their hearts react in a positive way. Like they're like, yeah, I remember. I used to go to church. I remember that. Like God is love. Okay, yeah. Like a positive feeling. Other people, guys, believe it or not, when you say the name of Jesus, they, they right away feel condemned. They right away feel like that's for someone else, not me. You don't know my story. <laughs> God knows the secret things. Look, you all have secret things. Let's just be honest. We all fall short. If we were standing here today with like, a little, like an iPad strapped to our chest, scrolling our secret sins, we would all be trying to dig a hole and hide in it. Some people hear the name of Jesus and they just don't think they could ever be good enough. Listen closely. John 3, 16 and 17 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his only son, so that whosoever would just believe in him wouldn't have to perish, but would have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world could be saved through him. We push people away. We make people feel like they're not good enough, but God pushes no one away. Jesus rejects no one. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're from. you. He loves you. He loves you. And he loves them. The lost. The least. The lonely. Guys, this is our mission. To go into the world and say, you are accepted. You are loved. God God didn't just put you here. He created you. He formed you. He likes you. Come home. Come down out of the tree. Come down out of the tree. Guys, churches with this message never stop growing. It's the good news of the gospel. And it's our message. It's why we're here. There's nothing you could do. To separate you from God. Because Jesus paid it all. So here's the invitation, guys. Every head bowed, every eye closed just to give a little privacy. I'm not gonna ask anyone to come down here. I'm just gonna ask a couple of questions. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I am Zacchaeus. Maybe this is your first time at church. 
Maybe you're like me, maybe it's your first time in church for a long time, because in your heart, you never really thought that God really loved you. The gospel's for everyone else. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. Let today be the day of salvation in your house. I wanna give you an opportunity if this morning you would say, Pastor, that's me. Today I wanna receive that call from Jesus and I wanna respond. I want salvation to come to my house. If that's you, just put your hand up long enough that I can see it. I wanna ask you another question. Maybe you're here today and you've been so beat down by the things people have said about you, the things people have said to you, maybe the kind words people have neglected to say to you. Maybe in your heart you wrestle with feeling like you're worth anything. And today you just need to receive the truth that God values you, that God has an incredible plan for your life. And maybe today you just, you need to say to God, God, that's me. Help me to see the truth about who I am. If that's you, I wanna ask you just to raise your hand quick enough just for me to see it. I just need to be reminded this morning of who I am in Christ, that God can do greater things through me. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those, Lord, who raised their hand, whatever they're facing in their life that's made them feel less than. I pray, Father, for an experience of your love and the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that their strength would be renewed, that their love would be renewed, that their joy would be renewed. God, that they would go forth from this place with a new power to accomplish greater things. God, I pray that for all of us. We need that. Father, we need to know your love more. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your love. Empower us to go forth and to love the world with your love. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.